0: Recorded live. Hello and welcome. This is Brooke Folk, your host, and assistant writer to Ken Vernon, the inspired author of the ebook and published book, Revelation of Revelation, A Total Fraud. And what you're about to hear on this episode has never been revealed before now in this audio format, so we invite you to not only listen in as we introduce this program's topic, Christianity from Rome, Part 2, but we welcome you to open a new window on your computer and go to Revelation revelationofrevelation.com and then click on the blog. On the blog tab, you will note Christianity from Rome, Part 2, a read-along. And if you're not conveniently where you can do that, on your computer, just note that you can. After the broadcast, you can go and you can read a lot of the text of which you'll hear tonight. Revelationofrevelation.com if you haven't already ordered your copy of the ebook or printed versions, be sure to check the website, or even Amazon, or Barnes & Noble, other book sites, Revelation of Revelation, a total fraud. And now, the author, Ken Vernon, and tonight's Revealed Truth Explained. Good evening, Ken. Good evening,
1: Brooke. And good evening, everyone. We thank you for joining us. Before I begin... Before I begin, I would like to share with you some of what I shared with last week's guests on the part one portion of Christianity from Rome. One of the reasons we brought that program forward, it was actually meant only for the uh, website, but it was brought forward because of an incident where some Christian of the Pontiff Variety was very distraught after reading part one and because he had some software knowledge extensive software knowledge he was able to hack into the site and remove the program (laughs) now I, I must quickly add to you that on every article on this website, we give everyone the opportunity to leave us a comment. At the end of every program, you can do it. Whether your comments are negative or positive, we don't care. Go right ahead or leave us a comment. That individual, whoever he or she was, Absolutely disregarded that opportunity to tell us, "Hey guys, I think you're you're all wet. You don't know what you're talking about, or anything of the kind." He decided that's it. This program's coming down. I don't care anything about constitutional rights. I don't care any anything about individual privacy. I don't like what you wrote there, so he he removed it thinking that somehow this program would not be aired at all or come to anyone else on the Internet. Having shared that with you, let's move to Christianity from Rome, part two. And I'll begin with this very important notation. The Bible scholars of yesterday tell us that the New Testament was written or inspired in the Greek language. I strongly doubt that to be the case. The reason for my doubt is the name Christ, which is used by the translators to represent the Hebrew name Messiah. The scribes who were responsible for the Greek Old Testament did not make any attempt whatsoever to tamper with the name of Yahweh. They finally, they faithfully, brought the name to the Septuagint, in its original language, Hebrew. In the Gospel of John, chapter 8 and verse 31, Messiah said to the people who believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth should make you free. Let's go to verse 32. By following his instructions, I will show you how we can come to the place of the knowledge of the truth, even when men tamper with his inspired words and bring us lies. I add at this point the proverb, Proverbs 30 and verse 6, where we are told, Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee and thou be found a liar. And I will show you how these people lied, right from the scriptures, and even from their own work. I asserted in part one of this article that the people who brought the world Christianity are the people who skillfully tampered with the book we called the New Testament and produced a record of the New Covenant writings froth with lies to promote their own agenda. Little did they know in their ignorant arrogance that the Creator would guide the believer into the truth by the Spirit of truth. That scripture is more than worth bringing forward at this juncture. Let me do that for you. In John 16 and verse 13, it reads, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. That passage of Scripture is completely forgotten by many a Bible scholar, Bible students, Bible enthusiasts, all over the world. They fail to understand that is a spirit of truth that will guide us into the truth and will actually show us future events as Dr. Stearns and his CJB renders it. Let me continue, no scholar, no priest, no religious figure who comes to the scriptures with his fraudulent mindset can alter the inspired word of the Creator. Let's look at the proof that the New Covenant was not inspired in the Greek language. We go now to the Gospel of John once again and this time to chapter 4 for the conversation with the Samaritan woman and the Messiah at the well. We begin with verse 24. God, Elohim, is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That is crystal clear. Now for the bombshell. The woman said unto him, I know that Messiah cometh. Catch the next four words. Which is called Christ. The woman continues. When he comes, he will tell us all things." Verse 25. If you missed the bold-faced lie in that passage, no need to be puzzled. Millions of sophisticated and educated Bible students before you and I, ordinary folks, did likewise. The Spirit of Truth guided me to see that, and now you have seen it. The woman clearly said, Messiahs will tell us all truth, not Christ. Messiahs is the only name she would be aware of as a native of Israel living in the promised land in the first century. There is no way she would be familiar with the English word Christ, nor the Greek Christos from which comes our English Christ. The fabricators, once again, in their arrogant ignorance, inserted another fraudulent line into the New Covenant writings. The word, or name Christ, was not in use anywhere on this earth in the first century. There was no book called the New Testament until after Early fourth century. Our time. A comment here. The spirit of truth guides a believer into our truth as promised by our Creator. It was by virtue of the spirit of truth I was able to see that lie and many others. Now, for some lies that were never put in the Bible that were brought to us from tradition. In part one, I made all aware of the fact that the word or name Pope is not written anywhere in your Bible. Absolutely nowhere. Here now is a list of some very familiar names which cannot be found written anywhere in the Bible or the Scriptures, which Christians the world over are completely oblivious to. I'll start with the word cardinal and next archbishop and then nun then monastery and covenant and rosary and praying to saints. But catch this. <clears throat> the name Father in Matthew the Messiah told his disciples not to call anyone on earth father because you have one father and he is in heaven. Matthew 23 in verse 9 from the CJB. But that seems to be a major contradiction to the command which says honor your father and your mother. But such is not the case, not contradictory at all. From those passages, we can only conclude that calling anyone else Father, except for your heavenly and earthly Father, is unacceptable to our Creator. That was a direct command from Emmanuel. Your Bible says, Jesus. Many religious systems have been established by various religious organizations all over this world, which have been handed down for centuries, following in the traditions of our elders. You and I have been taught to go to church because it is a righteous thing to do. Or, some might say, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. But we know from the Scriptures that one can, in fact, worship the Creator in vain. That's right, in vain. We learn that in the Gospels of Mark and Matthew. Let's go to Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 7, where we find the Scriptures that will confirm that for you. I will read only verse 7 for you at this time. In vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Full well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your own tradition. Messiah said those words to the religious authority of his day. The people whom he had placed in Moses' seat The question we need to ask ourselves is simply this. How do we know we are not worshipping the Creator in vain? The answer can be found in the Gospel of John chapter 4. Once again, to the woman that dwell in Samaria. Messiah said to her, God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In Mark chapter 7 we learn that if we follow tradition we worship him in vain. Finally man's idea of being righteous is not only acceptable to our creator but downright putrid in his sight. This is how he sees man's righteousness. The things that he sees done in many church organizations by the people who run the organizations as well as the people who support them like praying to saints and using beads and crosses to hang on their bodies and to conduct their prayers even to saints. Here's what he said to all those things. All of us are like someone unclean and all our righteous deeds as menstrual rags. That's from the CJB. Isaiah 64 in verse 6. Those words are pretty graphic. I am sure you will agree. I will leave you with this question. Who are these people who never fathered any children who wear the title father, especially Holy Father? That is the end of Christianity from Rome Part two. I thought I would share those with you regarding the things that you see on a daily basis, that is, that is conducted by a particular religion who teaches people to pray to saints and to use beads and crosses hanging from them in order to be connected to the Father. But in fact, the scriptures clearly tell us that there is only one intercessor between man and the Creator, and that is Emmanuel, The other member of the team that we know that we learn of from John chapter 1, where it tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So it is God who intercedes for us with God, and not any saint. And that's where I end. Over to you, Brooke.
0: Thank you, Ken. You've been listening to Revelationofrevelation.com with Mr. Vernon's message tonight, part two of the two-part Christianity from Rome, which you can see on the blog tab of Revelationofrevelation.com. Important scriptures that you can read is scripted there on the blog, and you can follow up to what Ken has mentioned on this program, on this episode. There is a reason that the truth is coming out in the end of the ages, and if you listen to episodes, you'll find that that end of the ages has a certain time element and chronological order for those who are mathematicians and the signs, and we are not putting fear into your hearts and minds and preaching damnation, and what ministers say, if you do not accept and you do not profess your love in Christ and you close with your last breath where will your eyes be opened to next? They preach an eternal damnation, a hellfire, and this just didn't set well with me for many years, but who was I, an ordinary folk, just realizing I must try to get this message elsewhere. But I looked to men for my answers. So did Ken. So do you. The traditions of men, of which Ken mentioned, and is featured in the scripted part of this Christianity from Rome, Part 1, right on our website. So if you have felt like we have felt, there's a reason for that. That's an internal pulling, knowing that in common sense, if you want to use that word, which I've used before, that something is warring within your members and saying, that don't fit well with me, and it's. but who am I to question? Well, that's what this program is about. Question. And Ken will answer any one of them. And you can email him at any time. Direct. Ken, you're still there. Give them your email address.
1: Yeah, it's vergedi, V-E-R-G-E-D-I at optonline.net Or, better still, you can go to the website and go to contact us and leave us your message anytime, 24-7, every day of the year, or you can we simply read one of the blog articles and at the bottom, leave a comment. You can always ask your questions in that place also.
0: We are not controversial. We are explicitly Speaking the truth of the scriptures, not our words, not Ken's words. We're not adding to or taking away from scriptures that are warned against. We are simply, through the Spirit, and Ken Vernon's Bible studies, able to see the fallacies of scriptures where they fall over each other in contradictions. What is wrong with knowing that scripture says in the end of the age of truth will be known and how the people just go to drive in movies of years ago to the cinemas of today and the TV programs and thirst after the word and the knowledge of the truth but they do it blindly because it's men's traditions preached and taught in all our different religious backgrounds of what their daddies and their dads before them on the pulpits taught them right from scriptures where the erroneous lies were not yet made evident. So that's where we are now. And this being the end of the age not the end of the world and total destruction not the void in the darkness of which this earth came back into being through your creator but a world of structure and the return of the Messiah, and we use that phrase because we all have heard that over and over again from almost birth or understanding in Sunday schools and your churches. So as we look in tonight's program, it's a very light and airy read and understanding. There is no disputed questions or twisting of the paragraphs or sentence, It's scripture. Now, you might say, well, that's the version that Ken talks about, the CJB. Well, use your version, but then also check with the complete Jewish version. And if you need a website that has some of them, versions go to Bible Gateway. Now, they don't pay us to talk about them, but it's just one way that you can understand better by reading various scriptures and to follow along with these broadcasts and be able to know that, yes, it's printed. That's what these translations are about. And also, uh, you also mention another uh, study, uh, Helpmate, that you often refer to. Can mention that, please.
1: I use the ISR, the uh, translation that is done by the Institute for Scripture Research, as well as the Zikaron Sefer, or Memorial Scroll, if you will, along with the King James, actually, and the NIV and several other translations. There are times when it becomes very necessary to consult another English translation, simply because another translator does a better job. For example... That scripture I read you from Isaiah 64 and verse six, where he says, "All well, we are like someone unclean, and all our righteousness are as a menstrual cloth." The King James renders menstrual cloth filthy rags, but that completely takes away how ugly. The Creator sees when man goes about the business of establishing his own righteousness. I have been a mechanic through my life, here and there, even from my teenage years. A filthy rag is something that's in every mechanic's tool bag. (laughs) There are moments when you just want to clean up some oil, and that is a filthy rag. You would certainly not take a bath with it. You wouldn't put your lunch in it. It's a filthy rag. But when you use those graphic terms, like a menstrual court, there is no mistaking how putrid what man does when the Creator himself inspires his prophet to use that exact word. The children of Israel, for example, you can learn from the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. They have a zeal for the Creator, the, the Apostle said. But they will not subject themselves to His righteousness. They go about the business of establishing their own righteousness, and that's where they lose the whole ball game. They get kicked out of a land, they get slaughtered to tune of hundreds of thousands, and they've been gone from from the uh, promised land some 1,900 years plus. So, man's righteousness brings him death. That's the bottom line. The Creator thinks righteousness is only what He says is righteousness, not what man says. You
0: got it, bro. All right. Tonight's episode has been brought to you by none other than ordinary folks. And when you read scripture and it's right plainly in your Bible who ordinary folks are, they're the folks that confound the mighty with uh, exactly what we're saying. It's easily and plain and right in front of us all these centuries. However, no one to our knowledge has picked up on this. And now we present it to you in our simplified way through this talk shoe format Who we thank every week for allowing us to bring a message to you and to have you be able to receive it anywhere that you are in this wide world and also download it to your computer and convenience to your listening devices. Join us again on our next episode, revelationofrevelation.com. Visit the website and read exactly what you've been listening to in this broadcast tonight, Christianity from Rome, Part 2. Until next episode, this is Brooke Wolk, assistant writer to Ken Vernon, saying good night.